0: Well, to a local treasure, a historic project aims at education and reconciliation, honoring our 911 dispatchers. Acting mayor says things are really going on well and happening in Belton. Oasis of Hope wants to support and encourage foster parents. All this and more on this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast news from people you trust. And it has been another great week in Anderson. Spring has brought warm weather and pollen and thunderstorms and humidity but it's also brought festivals new events people gardening yard work pro or con i'm sort of con on yard work and dreams of vacations and vacations that are already happening uh a rising vaccination rate is raising hopes for a safer county with shots now available to all age groups and if you're hesitant without a legitimate medical reason to get a vaccine you're unnecessarily putting yourself and others at risk so we encourage you to do that Um, we're seeing deaths every day and the trend is going downward, but there were 19 deaths in Anderson over the past seven days, so there are people still dying from this thing, and the new British variation seems to be what has everybody worried, because it spreads faster and is more contagious, so quicker we get everybody vaccinated, the better. Over the past 13 months, those masks have proven some protection, not only against COVID-19 and the flu, but colds have been down, strep throat, and other ailments all saw historic declines. Masks are also effective in blunting the effects of pollen season if you have allergies, so just one more reason to wear one. It's not time to give up yet. There is a busy week ahead, and one of the most significant events this week is Tuesday's Democratic primary runoff for the county council seat, District 2, left vacant by Gracie Floyd's death earlier this year. Glenn Davis received nearly 38% of the votes in the March 30th primary, while Marion Robinson finished second with 21%. As out of a seven-person Democratic field. The winner of Tuesday's primary will face Republican challenger David Standard in the June 1st special election for that seat, and it's an important seat for county council. City council is expected to follow Anderson County Council in approving support for an Anderson Area Remembrance and Reconciliation Project, which will work in partnership with the National Equal Justice Initiative group to memorialize five post-Reconstruction victims of lynchings in Anderson County, with some high profile memorial um, plaque um, monument more likely and a series of other initiatives aimed at bringing reconciliation through education discussion and connection i talked with several members of this committee and first up is dr reverend and smith who's pastor of welfare baptist church here at anderson he's also a chemistry professor at anderson university
1: so uh first of all let me say this uh i, I definitely uh I'm, I'm a gospel preacher uh, i love the lord uh, and uh, I believe that, um, uh, that reconciliation uh, and acknowledgement is a transforming initiative uh, so that if we're going to move towards a place of unity, uh, a place of working together, uh, a place of progression, uh, then uh, issues that have happened in the past, they have to be acknowledged um, in order to move forward. Uh, but not only that, uh, as a cultural aspect, uh, just being, you know, here in Anderson County, um, I think that you know getting involved in projects like this, it brings cultural awareness. Uh, it helps people in other places uh, understand that Anderson County is a place uh, who is willing to acknowledge its past um, for the sake of reconciliation, but also uh, for the sake of uh, cultural exploration for the future development of Anderson County. So I think those things are important.
0: And all along you have been what you're saying there, you've been saying, this is not a, an indictment. This is a chance to have dialogue and move ahead. This is not like just trying to dredge up something just for the sake of bringing up history and how bad things were. This sure. is, this is, this is, this is a, a, an opening, opening a door to some new discussion and education, right?
1: Right. So, uh, so yeah, by, by no means uh, is this uh, an indictment uh, or a condemnation of, of what has taken place in the past. I mean, I think that uh, uh, most of us, you know, definitely understand the treachery. Uh, and the trauma uh, that has taken place uh, in the past, even if there are those who don't want to acknowledge uh, the treachery or the trauma that has taken place in the past, um, it's still not an indictment. Uh, It's not even uh, an opportunity to force anyone to move towards a place of reconciliation. Um, You know, in order to reconcile uh, from a spiritual perspective, that has to be something uh, that is within the heart of that individual, uh, or individuals, I should say, or a group of people uh, to, to, to make amends with what's taken place in the past. Uh, and so as, as we think about this, I believe very strongly uh, that a project like this uh, is very interdisciplinary. Uh, it opened doors uh, for the opportunities. There are opportunities and avenues that um, can be, I shouldn't say exhausted, but can be explored uh, in the arts, uh, in the sciences. Um, obviously, it's, it's a historical endeavor. Uh, it touches us spiritually. So from my perspective, uh, I see this as an opportunity uh, for an interdisciplinary uh, cultural experience in Anderson County while at the same time, I want to go back to this, while at the same time offering an opportunity uh, for acknowledgement and reconciliation.
0: You mentioned, I've heard you talk about this before when we had the Zoom meeting and stuff, but talk a little bit about the spiritual element of this and why that's an important part of it.
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, personally, uh, you know, having a background, uh, I'm a pastor, obviously, but, you know, uh, as a pastoral caregiver, um, I believe very strongly uh, in uh, the spiritual tenet, the biblical tenet, the theological principle, uh, that without acknowledgement... it is difficult to move forward. Uh, if there is no acknowledgement, there is this false sense of of progress. Uh, because if you don't acknowledge those things, you have unresolved issues uh, that will, get, will, will begin to well up. And you'll wonder, where do these things come from? Um, and in my opinion, and, and I'll say my expert opinion, being a, a pastoral caregiver, uh, when we fail to deal with our demons, when we fail to deal with our unresolved issues uh they always come back to haunt us uh whether it 's in our generation or in a generation after us um so i i think it's it 's vital uh it 's important that uh we as a community uh not just individuals not not separated by uh you know by political affiliation uh not not separated by uh whatever other beliefs that we may have but i think that we all have a responsibility uh to seek the truth and i believe that that truth whatever the truth is that that will make us free uh make us free mentally uh spiritually uh and uh and even physically
0: and you're 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 also uh, an academic uh, you teach at anderson university and um are you hear, hearing conversations already beginning by people who just didn't know about this? That they're when they hear about this, they're like, "Wow, this is interesting. We didn't know about these things." That are. Uh
1: well, uh, in my experience thus far, uh, I think that you know people are aware that things like this have taken place, um, but I'm not quite so sure that people in general, uh, in the community at large, has really uh, given great thought. Uh, to things happening in Anderson County. Uh, Of course, when you begin to talk with people in the community, uh, in the various communities or or towns around Anderson County, uh, you'll begin to learn uh, that uh, oral tradition, uh, word of mouth, that some of these stories have been passed along uh, and uh, preserved, so to speak, uh, in many of the communities, And, and some of them uh, you know, I, I don't think that there is any animosity per se about it, uh, but it's in their heads. They, they know that it's taking place. Uh, and I'll, I'll even say that some people are even fearful about even having this conversation. Uh, and I, I think that uh, in this day and time in 2021, uh, first of all, I, I don't think there's any reason to be fearful uh, about having this type of conversation. And if there is a need to be fearful uh, that even—that's uh, e- even more reason why we need to have this type of conversation. Because again, uh, fear, uh, going back to my pastoral care or pastoral caregiver conversation, uh, that will be an unresolved issue that needs to be dealt with. That will, you know, show up in some other form or fashion uh, in our lives or in our community.
0: And one of the elements of the, the project is to try to find people who may have that oral tradition, right? Try to collect those. You're trying to find some of those people whose families have told stories.
1: And- so, so yes, uh, we've made some connections uh, with family members uh, on some of the individuals. Uh, also, uh, we've uh, made connections with specific communities uh, around Anderson County uh, who have stories that have been preserved. Uh, and, and we've tried to cross-reference uh, those stories with uh, different uh, mediums uh, or different medias. Uh, uh, and so uh, that has kind of been our, our point of reference uh, at this point, um, because, again, you know, this, these stories are, are really old, uh, and so uh, it takes some digging to try to get to the bottom of it, um, but uh, we've, we've, we're doing the best that we can uh, to move forward
0: what's the next step? What's the next step now that we've established it and got the relationship with the group, you know, the uh, Equal Justice Initiative and all that? What's the next
1: step? So I I think the next step is, uh, first of all, I think there's already uh, some sense of community awareness uh, that this project is going on. Uh, From my understanding, I think that uh, there's been some supportive uh, documents uh, that have been presented uh, on the county or at the county uh, I think some are forthcoming uh, with the city. Uh, so I think those are all positive efforts uh, in moving forward with this project. Uh, so I think the next phase of this project is for us, uh, those of us serving on the committee, you know, we, we still need time to, uh, to to move forward in a strategic and a structured uh, way uh, so that our presentation uh, is very professional, uh, so that our uh, presentation is, is one that uh, that all of us on the committee, but but more importantly, uh, that Andersonians would be proud of that that we'd have this type of endeavor. Uh, so the next step to answer your question directly is to allow us the time, you know, to try to, try to get everything together, uh, to build the partnerships that we need t- to move forward. Uh, and so for the community at large, uh, I believe at this point, and this could change, so this is just a tentative next step, Uh, would be for us to have some sort of, um, I wouldn't say announcement because we've already kind of announced, uh, but to have some sort of day uh, where there is an opportunity for uh, the community at large to gather and for us to hear about, uh, to hear the stories uh, of these individuals and to try to figure out how we're going to memorialize them, how it is that we're going to move forward, and how it is that we're going to uh, gain the best cultural experience uh, through uh, remembering what is taking place and hopefully uh, that uh, we'll continue to build uh, bridges of connection in our community uh, because I think, again, uh, it's important uh, for uh, people of different races, white, black, uh, whatever wherever there are schisms or divides in the community, I think it's important for us to understand each other, not just as we are now, uh, but to understand where it is that we've come from. How did we get here? And understanding our history uh, is vital because our history makes us who we are today. Uh, And so I I think that all of those are are steps that we're hoping to make uh, in this project.
0: (coughs) I know you, you've said that saying these folks' names has power. Do you want to just go through their names real quick and who they were? And yes. Nothing sh- in detail, but just, you know. Sure,
1: sure. No, I, I I believe very strongly, and we've heard a lot of that lately, uh, about saying individuals' names. And I think that uh, I have an uncle, and I'm sure it's not an original statement. I don't know where it came from. Uh, he always he always says that, uh, he, he'll always say uh, that only the forgotten are truly dead. Uh, and so we don't forget those individuals. Uh, Mr. Edward Sullivan, uh, Mr. Elbert Harris, Mr. John Lattison, Mr. Reuben Elroyd, and Mr. Willis Jackson. Uh, those are the names uh, that we've uh, discovered uh, thus far uh, who've been lynched in Anderson County.
0: City of uh, Anderson Mayor Terrence Roberts, who's been active in many things here, says that the move is important and that City Council will indeed put forth that resolution on Monday night to support this. And I talked to Terrence, and here's what he had to say about it. First, let's talk about why is this uh, initiative an important thing for the city and the county and for, for all of us?
2: Well, I think it's a conversation that has been going around all over the country, you know the. And I think the genesis of this project was Stuart Sprague, somewhat introducing it to us, and and a core group of us started with reading um, uh, Brian Stevenson's book, um, Just Mercy, and you know, in part of uh, he's a uh, an attorney in in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, that that really represented a lot of people um, across the country who. Um, or or, um, couldn't afford a lawyer and and those type of things and and, um, right out of the civil rights era and and it well really into that. But in his book, he started talking about just some of the things that, um, for me, um, lynchings that had happened all over the country and and we kind of went through that generation of seeing what they had done. And identified five people in Anderson County that had um gone through the same thing and so um publicly recognizing it uh, nationally collecting soil and sending it to the museum in Birmingham so that can be nationally recognized hopefully um, having some of those soil samples that from the five sites here locally that we could um, um Maybe um, have permanent sites for them at some point too. So, and I just thought it was uh, for me. I thought it was a, a time for us to understand that it, that this happened in our community. Uh, I think the biggest thing is is just talking about um, how do we go forward. I mean, the, just the education piece. Not um, recognizing that it happened, how it happened but how do we start talking about the dialogue of why it happened and why it's important to um, remember that segment of our past.
0: And the goal is right now to have at least one central monument or memorial and then maybe some sort of as close as we can designation at the sites, right? uh, Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, as close as we can. Um, there, There have been five sites that have been identified um by people within the the remembrance organization and they're working on the sites and, and maybe having one site that, that somewhat represents through markers um the the other five sites
0: and the county uh, this week passed a resolution uh supporting this I, I assume the city is fixing to do something similar
2: it is on our agenda for the 12th um, our monday meeting and we'll pass a a resolution that would be similar to theirs.
0: Uh, As I mentioned, uh, not only the city, but the county has been behind this initiative for months now, and they're just now going public. Uh, Anderson County um, did pass a resolution on Tuesday night, this past uh, county council meeting, and Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns talked to me about why this is an important thing for the county. On Tuesday night, uh, county council passed a resolution on this uh, remembrance memorializing um, the victims of uh, lynchings in anderson county during post reconstruction tell me a little bit about how the county got involved in that and why it's important
3: well really dr Stuart sprague had brought it to everybody's attention in anderson and it's a national movement and so other counties are doing this also and so what it is is to bring attention to a dark chapter in the history of anderson county in south carolina and if you think it's just confined to the south you would be sadly mistaken but it's to honor these people, remember what happened, and serve as a marker on how things can go bad. And so this is to A, let people know about it, B, provide a remembrance, something that people can tangibly feel and note the locations where this occurred. This has been done in Abbeville County. There is a marker right in front of the Abbeville County Courthouse. and. Uh, we're part of that project, council's part of that project, by passing that resolution, acknowledging this, and agreeing to work in appropriate memorials for this occurrence.
0: I also talked to Juana Slade, who chairs this committee, and here's what she had to say about her involvement in the project. For the Anderson community
4: to take a look at uh, the um, lynchings of five individuals in Anderson County, that took place uh, from the late 1800s to the late, um, to the early 1950s and so it is an, this is an opportunity for us to not rewrite history but to document what happened, um, perhaps find individuals who may or may not have been um, either around at the time of those incidents, or perhaps family members, um, those who are descendants of those uh, gentlemen who were lynched in the community, and to find a way to acknowledge that, um, those incidents, and to then uh, recognize and commemorate uh, the, the lynchings, and perhaps uh, an opportunity to engage in conversations about those in- incidences and the impact that we are experiencing today. And what was the impetus for this? What kind of got the ball rolling on this this project? Stuart Spray. Uh He is a longtime resident as uh, a local ethicist here in in Anderson and uh, quite frankly, Stewart um, has a sister who lives in another community and uh, his sister's uh, community had recognized the lynchings that took place there, and he was quite moved by that work and decided uh, let's see where what we find here in Anderson. and so he, did some research, made the connection with uh, EJI, and we found out that, in fact, there were individuals. And so he just started to have conversations with some people he knew to try to figure out uh, what we could do, if anything, and it's it's been a very organic process. Um, Residents, people who uh, live and work in the community have decided this may be a legitimate conversation that we can have, and it's some legitimate work that we can do to acknowledge uh, those incidences in Anderson County. And what made you want to be involved in this and what's your role going to be? I'm a person who lives and works in Anderson County. Um, I was invited to participate in the conversation simply because I have some interests and in, in skills and, and um, message. In, messaging and strategic communications and so they asked if I wanted to be involved and I said yes. I was actually born in Anderson County and didn't live here. My father was um, a United Methodist minister and that is an itinerant ministry and so we traveled quite a bit so right after I was born we left here and went to Charleston so I only remember Anderson coming back to visit but I've had the the good fortune of working in, in this community for the last Uh, 20 years, and I'm really excited about it, and so when this opportunity, this project presented itself, it was a way for me to connect with my birthplace, uh, but by the same token use some of the talents and skills uh, that I've uh, acquired over the years to make a difference in the place where I was born.
0: This is an important project, and the group is hoping to get a lot of community, community participation in it. If you're interested, you can email Anderson Area initiative at gmail.com and then give you more information on that you can also look on facebook they've got a website coming and all these things they're still in the works Uh, i know back in the early 80s i had a chance to talk to john perkins as a civil rights icon he'd been working on reconciliation projects long before a lot of people were considering such ideas He even wrote a book with a former uh, grand dragon of the ku klux klan and they were talking about trying to find ways to reconciliate and and to really build for a better future. And I think that's what this Anderson project has the potential to do, to bring some healing, to just shed light on the dark places so they can uh, find ways to to communicate better toward the future so people have an understanding. Uh, The current plan is for some sort of central monument on the square downtown with potential markers of some sort at or near the individual sites that are identified. Um, Some of those are vague, so it may be difficult. It will be a great addition to downtown along with some of the plans to move some of the other monuments for honoring fallen firefighters and other veterans down to the square. And it's always a good idea when you're downtown to drop by Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill. A longtime supporter of this podcast, Bill Nickus opened the restaurant downtown when it was all but dead and cobwebbed. And now, more than 20 years later, it is an Anderson landmark, not only an Anderson landmark, a national landmark in ways. It regularly shows up on the list of top 100 restaurants in America and people from all over the place can drive to eat here. Uh, Their lunches are also wonderful, and they have outdoor seating available. And, of course, dinner at Sullivan's is the best special dining experience anywhere. And if you're catering a special event, you can get that same food, the same white tablecloth experience at your family, corporate, wedding, group event. Uh, You better start thinking now towards the holidays because they get quickly booked up. You can visit them this week, and when you do, tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer News From People You Trust podcast. Well, April has brought the end of an era to Anderson County, as our amazing chief librarian, Faith Line, has decided to retire. Faith has built the Anderson County Library System into the best in the state, and it has been widely recognized as such. And she's also been inducted into the Library Hall of Fame for her work, and recognition of her achievements just goes on and on. Some of those who worked closely with her had this to say about her, starting with Associate Library Director Annie Sutton.
5: I have known Faith since she worked here. I actually started about six months before her, so I have worked with her for the entire duration of her time here.
0: What, what's impressed you most about Faith and her, her just her as a person and her as a librarian?
5: Um, Faith is very diligent and detail-oriented. Um, when you start working on something with her, um, you work top to bottom, and she really, really knows her stuff, too. Um, and that's gonna be missed greatly here.
0: Yeah, what else is gonna be, what else are you gonna miss about Faith, and what's the community gonna miss having Faith in the head of the library?
5: Yeah, so Faith is just such a wealth of knowledge and so willing to work hard on so many things. She has really been on a lot of um, boards and committees in Anderson, but also, a lot of people don't know this, through the state of South Carolina. She has really helped other librarians in the state, other new directors. Um, she's just, she's really awesome that way, and a lot very giving of her time.
0: So. And she loves books.
5: She loves books. Um, <laughs> her favorite, well, one of her favorite authors is Clive Cussler, and we love to give her a hard time about it because <laughs> those are just straight adventure, uh, fun reading. And but she is, she loves it so. I think her community help is a big thing with her, uh, you know, she's been on the United Way board, she's been on um, the Chamber of Commerce, the Leadership Anderson stuff, um, and Foothills Alliance, all, just, all kinds of stuff that she has helped out with for years, um, and just really given of herself over the time, you know, the 15 years she's been in Anderson, so it's a lot. It's a How lot. will you
0: miss her personally on a day-to-day basis?
5: Um, personally just her wealth of knowledge is tremendous Um, I can't find a situation or a circumstance that comes up that faith hasn't dealt with in the past and she's very good about telling you how she would have handled something but not telling you you have to handle it that way so in that way she I think has helped grow her employees to be able to handle more and bigger things over the years
0: tell me who you are
6: my name is Danny Lebson, and I am the head of extension services at the Anderson County Library.
0: And how long have you known Faith?
6: I have known Faith for the entire time I've been at Anderson. She was a brand new director when I started in February, and she's kind of been a guiding force the whole time.
0: What do you think makes her a great librarian?
6: Her kindness. She's been really good and caring about all, the, all of the people here.
0: About you and Faith, or anything about Faith, that you, what will you remember about Faith the most?
6: I think probably the fact that I'm a librarian, because if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would be. I started out as a paraprofessional, um, just working as a staff person, and she encouraged me to seek out my library degree.
0: And how will she be missed around here? Oh
6: gosh, she's just like constantly around and checking up on people, so I think everybody's going to miss her just a little bit every day.
7: I am Sarah Leedy and I am the Head of Creative Programming and Reader Services for the Anderson County Library.
0: And how long have you worked with Faith?
7: Um, I have worked with Faith the entire time that I've worked in libraries since about February 2011.
0: And what, what do you think is uh, the thing you're going to miss most about
7: Faith? Um, The thing that I have loved about Faith um, that has been so great for me, I'm a little bit like Danny where I wouldn't be a librarian if it wasn't for Faith um, because Faith actually approached me when I was in the Children's Department and was like, hey, have you thought about library school? Um, But Faith has given me a lot of opportunities and let me run with a lot of kind of crazy ideas that I know a lot of other directors would have looked at me, especially at that time in my career, and it would have been a hard no. Um, And Faith has always kind of uh, bravely let me go out and do crazy things and have the faith that not only could I pull it off, but that like it was gonna be okay. Um, and that's been huge for me. Um, and I think it's been huge for the library itself, um, that kind of faith that she'll give into the staff to go and do something that maybe isn't um, typical or what someone in that stage in their career would even be going out and doing. And she's like, you know, let's give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it's okay.
0: What are you going to miss like on a day-to-day basis what are you going to miss most about faith being here
7: i mean she's for me especially she's always been really good with um if i need an opinion um she's going to give it to me and she's going to give it to me straight um and she always has a very different perspective um and she always has you know she's got the staff perspective in mind but she's also got this patron perspective in mind and as a director it can be hard because you have to kind of balance those two things Um, and whenever i'm looking for an opinion she's always it sounds like she plays devil's advocate, but she makes me look at it in a different way than I would have otherwise. Um, and that's always been really good for me to just kind of flush things out and make sure that I'm doing the best thing I can do.
0: And Anderson County's Library and Marketing and Communications Director, Brianna McDonald, had this to say faith leaving.
7: Um,
8: introducing me to, you know, to the possibilities of going into library school and becoming a librarian and um, working here professionally as a, as a full-time job.
0: And what what are you going to miss most about faith, faith on a daily basis
8: um her sense of humor honestly and her her like uh, you know i know people talk about her wealth of knowledge but it's also her trivia knowledge is really <laughs> like she's the person you want on your trivia team for sure um so her sense of humor just really uh quite enjoyable when it comes out and um her her deep knowledge of everything from South Carolina authors, children's books, um, you know, the way libraries work in general, but then also like just music and uh, basically any category in, in trivia, especially sports. So, yeah.
0: And she's still gonna be around and said she was gonna be involved in some ways. You think mm-hmm. y'all will still reach out to her and talk to her?
8: Oh, I think so. I think she um, she's always been a great mentor for a lot of people um, and I think she, um, You know, part of being a librarian is is wanting to share knowledge and help people, Um, and I think I I don't imagine that would go away anytime soon. So I think she'll always be there. But I think she's also very good about letting people learn and grow on their own. Um, I don't think she I don't think she'll you know keep others from kind of stepping up into, into new roles here.
0: Anything else you wanted to say about Faith? I didn't
8: ask you. Um. Just that she has had a great balance while while being director here, a great balance of you know forward thinking, but then also um, what's best for the community as a whole here in Anderson. Um, you know the introduction of ebooks was just a wild west kind of scenario for libraries, and she very definitely navigated that um, and, and how that would change a lot of the ways libraries operate. Um, very, you know, very forward-thinking in terms of libraries as community space, not just a repository of physical books, um, and very forward-thinking for trying to enhance children's initiatives, uh, programs, literacy, um, you know, not just with the library, but with, um, with other agencies in Anderson, too, and that's, um, that's invaluable.
0: Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns agreed that Faith's contributions to the county are, are many, and uh, he says she really will be missed. Our longtime librarian in Anderson, who kind of made our library and our library the best in the state by some uh, measurements, uh, is retiring. What? How will Anderson miss Faith Line?
3: I, <clears throat> I think Faith is one of the unsung heroes in Anderson County. What she has done with that library system, because you know, if you think it's just the library here in Anderson, it's the whole system. She has modernized it. She has expanded what they do. She's turned it into a job center. She's turned it into almost a one-stop shop for any situation that you may find yourself. I mean, they have computers where people can go apply for jobs. They offer tax assistance. And they're kind, and they don't throw people out, and it's a welcoming environment. And, And I don't know if she can ever be replaced, but she is absolutely dynamic and she will be sorely missed by the people in anderson county of course we know she's still going to live here but we also understand she might be taking a couple of trips but we wish her the best but she will be sorely missed
0: and of course i talked to faith about her decision to step down after all these years as director of the library well talking to you today was is good news and bad news i guess for some of us um, Let's talk about that. When did you know it was time to write the last chapter of your days as a librarian in Anderson?
9: Um, COVID had probably had a lot to do with it. It just was getting, um, I, I mean, I was getting close and just all of the issues dealing with COVID has been a lot this year. Plus my mom was sick and not doing well. And I wanted some time to spend with her. Unfortunately, she passed away before that happened, before I, um, retired, but I was able to spend some time with her before she passed.
0: Well, we covered a lot of stuff in our last interview, so I want to kind of talk more about, directly about, let's go all the way back to the first chapter. Do you remember when you first got to Anderson, your first day, your first weeks here, what your impressions were?
9: I was impressed at how big it was. Um, this is a fabulous library for this, this size town, it really is. Um, Carl Stone and, at that time, the county administrator was Joey Preston. Um, worked hard to get this library built and the other, some of the other branches built in Pendleton and Powdersville and it, it truly made a difference. I think it's a um, it's something you can see from other areas and when you come up you're you're very impressed and you realize that you know this, this, this has meaning, this has a presence and it's something that's open for everyone so it's a really um, great place to be and to work and the other issue was I always felt like I was gonna get lost because of, because of how big it was.
0: Well, Anderson, you were new to Anderson too. Yes. What were your first impressions of Anderson?
9: Um, I liked it. Um, it had a good bit, I was had been living in Sumter. So it, it's bigger than Sumter. It's had more things going on. It was close to Greenville, which was lovely to be able to go up there. And just the small towns that were had their own distinct um, Stamp or their own, you know, identity was really nice. And Sumter we had a few small towns, but they weren't—they weren't very big, and they—they they just didn't have much of a presence. But you know, we had Pendleton with Iva Belton. They—they've got their own presence, and it was great to see that, and to see that the library was involved in all of these communities and these small towns. What
0: were some of the challenges, though, of doing that—having a library, but having, you know, branches all over the place?
9: Probably the biggest is always money just have enough to cover everything Um, because you we have nine buildings that we have to cover which is a lot when you're looking at um, upkeep and making sure that the air conditioning works and the roof doesn't leak and the plumbing works so a lot of it is just dealing with those day-to-day expenses and um, issues that you have to pass anytime you own a facility and with nine and with this one being so large we we have a lot of uh, building Uh, infrastructure expenses that we have to deal with on a regular basis.
0: What about um, funding? Is library funding remained steady or is it down?
9: We've been very fortunate. It's remained steady and um, because we are on a um, millage, we have a, a base there and so it's based on if the taxes, you know, if people build houses, we get a little more money. So that's, that has probably saved us when the recession hit in 2008. We, we didn't have any extra money. we didn't get any money during that time period, but we didn't lose a lot of money. So we didn't have to go backwards like some libraries did because they just didn't get they didn't have no one had you know was getting extra money. but the the tax base here stayed steady so at least we were able to keep going with what we had. And then we scrimped and we saved and we, we got through it.
0: It also kind of creates creates that sense of our library that you know people being being it's always been like you mentioned small communities I know you know grow up in uh, smaller communities where the library was a big deal it's mm-hmm. not having to wait for a bookmobile or something to come out having a library everywhere
9: exactly and and that that's here I mean there aren't many places that we don't have a presence of some sort and that makes a big difference people can easily get to them and the the people especially well in all the even Anderson. They do feel that this is their library, whether it's in Belton or here, or Powdersville, wherever uh, it's their library, and they want to make sure it succeeds. And to remind people, what year you got here? I'm sorry, say that again. Remind people what year you got here? Oh, it came in 2007.
0: And on, from 2007 to today, if somebody had told you in 2007 some of the things you'd having to be order, having to order today and be doing today, would you, could you have imagined some of this stuff coming?
9: At that point, yeah, because it it was already in the... Even though we didn't have a lot of downloadables and the downloadable streaming movies and things like that, it was starting to happen. Things were changing. Um, Computers, of course, were much more prevalent at that point than they had been uh, just a few years back. Uh, We had a lot of, over the years, like I said, the downloadable books, downloadable audio books, um, movies, comics, magazines. Um, so we've, we've added a lot of different formats and that's the one thing libraries have always had to look at. We have to look forward and we have to try to, to, to provide access to the different formats that are out there.
0: What is your favorite technological advance that y'all had?
9: Um, honestly, probably the downloadables. I, I have a book on my phone all the time, mainly an audio book so that I can listen to it but I also download a uh, e-book to my uh, iPad so I can read at night, um, and it, I think it's great.
0: So you read, do you read all, all formats? Do you still read paper books and stuff as well? I
9: do, I usually have a paperback, a paper book of some sort um, around too. So it's, you know, I, I read anything and in any format because it's just whatever I can get my hands on first.
0: Well, you said you saw some of these things coming back then. Um, what, what do you think is coming next for libraries it going to be a new challenge or a new uh, technology or something they're going to have to gra- grasp?
9: Um, I think dealing with just helping deal with the broadband issue is going to be an issue that libraries have to do because in order for pe- some people to get access to the materials we have, they need better internet, they need better access. Um, so I think libraries are going to be a part of that push, that fight, I mean we already are to a certain extent. But I think you're going to see even more of that. Um, And I think the downloadable, the different formats are going to continue. Who knows what the next format really is. But I think the things we have now are going to be here for a little while, because they are so convenient and just easy to use. And that's all I do is ramble. Yeah,
0: and you both. What what, what will you miss most about being head librarian here?
9: Working with the people, both the staff and the patrons. because they're, they're basically the, the real lifeblood and the real reason we're here, to serve both our patrons and our staff and make sure they're getting what they need to do their job.
0: And what are you gonna miss least?
9: Um, dealing with the irate patrons. <laughs> Someone that's not, that gets upset. The other is I was telling somebody the other day, um, when there's bad weather, I, I have to decide, do we close the library? Do we you know, open late, whatever? I won't miss having to get up at you know, 5.30 in the morning to see what the weather's like and, make, and help make that decision with guidance from the county.
0: Yeah, and you, you know, that's one of the things I think that people always remember is that you went out of your way to make sure the library was accessible to everybody, including some people complained that homeless people could come in and look at books and stuff too, but you always made sure that everybody had access. Was, right. that, was that a goal from the very beginning? Oh,
9: definitely. I mean, that, that's why we're here. Um, the homeless have as much a right to come in here as the richest person in the county. Um, we want the people that don't have access to other materials to come here. I mean, that's what they're here for. Uh, we try to make it as safe as possible. We try to make it as easy as possible, and we try, you know, most of our homeless come in, use the library, use what they have, and leave. They don't cause problems. Occasionally they do, and we take care of those as quickly as we can, but they still deserve the right to come in and make sure that everything's all right. If they cause any problems and we don't see it, we just ask that people let us know and we'll take care of them. My, the deputies that are here are really good about talking with them and working with them so they know them. They know who's here. We'll occasionally get some new ones at different times of the year. You'll see people come in from other places. Um, I think some people give them a bus ticket and say, here, go as far as you can on this bus ticket, and they end up in Anderson. Uh, but they quickly learn also, if they're gonna stay here, they've gotta act right. And so we want, but we want everyone. We want the youngest child to the oldest adult, to whoever wants to use a library to have access, whether it's in this building or our branches, because that's what the library is here for. We have provide so much, not just books, but information. I mean, so many people can't have access to materials, even something as simple as a tax form. They don't mail those anymore. If you really want a tax form and you don't have a computer at home, you know you can come to the library and we'll get you the tax form. If you want um, seeds, we now work with the Anderson Water and Soil Conservation Group, and we have seeds that people can come, check them out, although we don't get them back, um, and plant you know seeds in their home garden. So we're trying to, to support that and just trying to support different activities in the community and, and make this a wel- welcoming place that we can provide as much as possible to people.
0: When you look back over the years that you were here and, and somebody asked you, do you have any favorite stories or memories, anything come to mind? Do you have any particular
9: events or times or stories
0: you remember that?
9: Um, opening um, Powdersville was really cool because that's such a neat library and it's, it's, it's because it's a dual use with the county having a portion of it and us having a portion of it was, was great. Um, working with our friends group and doing the things like the Spelling Bee and the um, other uh, the the, uh, Storytelling Festival, I'm sorry, I couldn't think of that. The Storytelling Festival, those were really great programs that we provided and and the friends helped with that. And just the meeting some of these authors and and storytellers throughout the, the time was really cool. Uh, we also worked with the Academy of, um, the South Carolina Academy of Authors, and had a big event here, where they inducted um, some authors into the, into the Academy, uh, and got to meet people like um, uh, the woman that wrote Carolina Bastard, Bastard Out of Carolina, um, Dorothea, Dorothy Allison, um, who was a really neat woman. So I got some opportunities to do that that I wouldn't have any other way. Um, and just again, just working with my people here in the, here at the in the library system has always been a really good aspect of it
0: in our first interview you talked about how you really have loved libraries your whole life uh, if, do you look back now or you really feel good about the, the way you've been able to spend your life around libraries and working here
9: I think so I mean you know n- none of us are perfect, and I would always like to have done more and done bigger and you know things like that but I think we've, we've, done, we've accomplished a lot here and really made some differences. Programming when I first came, there wasn't a whole lot of it. There was a little bit, but not much. We have really expanded that for adults and children. Um, the different formatting things that we've done. We've, I, I still think libraries are important and I think we've done with my staff. They do most of the work. I get to sit in my office and say, yes, you're doing a great job. Um, but we've done it together and I think it's made a big difference.
0: Well, you, you've done all these things. You've been inducted to the Hall of Fame. And um, is there one thing that, I mean, you may have just answered it, that you're proudest of from your time here?
9: Um, just the way that staff has handled things. I mean, honestly, this COVID has truly um, made a big difference and my staff has stepped up. They have uh, figured out ways to take care of themselves and to be as safe as we can. We've put out, we put out, you know, the PPE and things and given them things like that, but they've also worked together and they've, they've stepped up when we needed to deal with things like this, that nobody had any idea we were gonna have to deal with. So I think they're, they're just doing so much and not just with COVID, but just through the years, like I said, doing more programming, doing more activities. We, We brought in a teen um, section and a teen librarian so that made a difference we're working on the maker space. hopefully that'll grow into something uh, major just over time um, staff has just done an amazing job
0: and you're involved in a lot of other things in the community too. have been for a long time do you plan to get stay involved in the community and in the library as well
9: yeah I'll, I'll stay involved in the community the library I probably won't like being here on a regular basis because the whoever the new director is they don't deserve a library and a former director coming in and looking over their shoulder, and I never want to do that. But I'll still use my, own, my downloadables and come in occasionally for a, a real book, um, but the community for sure, because I, I can't just sit at home and do nothing. And I don't want a whole new job that I have to, you know, be stuck with and have to do every day. So I'll be doing volunteering and things in the community.
0: And like you just said, you'll still be using that magic library card.
9: Oh, definitely using the library card. I've made sure that it's up to date, and I you know i've I've uh, extended it for the two years you can do at a time and made sure that I'll, I'll be ready to go
0: if you want to watch and listen to a longer interview about her life her love of books you can check out the anderson observer news from people you trust youtube channel which i did earlier uh, late last year i did an extended interview with faith about how she fell in love with books and got into becoming a librarian so you can find out about her childhood years and her love of libraries and books and decision to come to anderson in more depth in that interview faith has always been an incredible professional and a good friend to me and to the observer and she really will be missed in her leadership role there. She built quite a quite a library system, and her legacy to this community will be felt for years to come, and we all owe her a debt of gratitude. So if you see her out and around in public, because she's not moving, you be sure to say thank you for her service and, hey, offer to take her to lunch. She would appreciate that. A new day is coming in Belton with a special election for a new mayor scheduled for June 22nd to fill the office. Uh, Tiffany Umby, who uh, was the first female mayor there, left. Um, a few weeks ago due to a job change. And so filing for that office and for those interested in it begins next week. It was on the April 23rd, actually, and runs through May 7th. So if you want to be mayor of Belton and live down there, and you've got those dates to do it. But in the meantime, a lot of positive news is coming out of Belton, as Acting Mayor Eleanor Dorn told me in this recent interview.
10: I'm Eleanor Dorn, and I'm Acting Mayor for Belton, South Carolina.
0: Now, tell me how long you've been on uh, serving on, uh, as a public servant here in, my, in Belton.
10: Um, As far as city council, I was elected in February of 2017. Um, Prior to that, I was um, was and still am a member of the Belton Alliance Board and various other volunteer. Are you from here? I'm from Belton, yes. Uh, Let's
0: talk about, I know last year was a year of challenges from the pandemic. Since the beginning of this year, what have been some of the challenges and highlights that we've seen here in the city of Belton?
10: Um, Of course, dealing with Covid has been a challenge, but you know the city stepped up, and I think they handled it as well as they could. Um, one thing we're that has been a challenge that we're working on right now is we've got to increase our broadband in order to stream our um, council meetings. So we're we're in the process of working on that. You know, it's taken a lot longer than we thought it would, but we're we're about to get that settled. But um, you know the people been wearing their masks doing what they're supposed to do and so it, pretty much the citizens have handled it
0: and y'all are getting ready to open back up with the festivals and things like that let's talk a little bit about what's coming up in the next three months
10: okay we got um Gosh. the um the kayak launch that the rec director was talking about april 17th will be a, a fishing tournament there may 15th weekend we are having our chili competition remind people
0: what that is if they don't know that's a big deal
10: yes it is um it's the south carolina chili cook-off, and it's actually a cook-off um, for, for professionals to be able to advance to the nationals, the world championship.
0: And there are people from all over the place that come here to compete. We
10: even had a, um, I think we had a zip code from Alaska last year that was here. So yes, it, it we have a lot of people from all over the country that come, and they love it. Now this year we did, when we made our plans, all the mandates were in place and we could not do the public event and then when he kind of lifted all that we were too far in to backtrack so this year it will just be for professional cooks no public will be able to attend Um, we just couldn't pull that off in time this year
0: so it's going to just be a full day of competition from Mm -hmm. the professional
10: cookers right right We'll need a lot of volunteers if anybody wants to volunteer to be a um, judge of the chili because it's the public You know, it is the public judging but you have to sign up to judge and and all that But we'd be glad to have you if you want to come judge. It's it's some good stuff.
0: It is good. I've been many times (laughs) So what's what's coming up next?
10: Well, we have um, our Belton Alliance um, has built an incredible wall trail for us, and May the 20th, we're going to kind of do the grand opening for that, and we will reveal the name of it, and have our huge contributors that made it happen, um, our grants and all that there, to thank them, and um, that will be a, a Thursday afternoon, I believe, but that's that's a, a, an event we're very excited about. But the, you know, the, the alliance drove that train and got it done and tell you know, me a little bit about that
0: trail. What is it where does it go?
10: It starts um right at the library in downtown Belton. It goes to Leda Poor and then to that's one point seven miles I think, all the way to the end and then, then back. And then hopefully one day we'll we'll be able to do the perimeter of the park and create a longer trail. But now, it has been it's been a great thing too. A
0: lot of people listening to this are not gonna know what the Belton Alliance is. Explain okay. what that is.
10: They're um I guess similar to the a chamber but it's just a group of volunteers that um help with projects around town. This has been the main one. I I was on the alliance before I was on the council and I'm still on the alliance but not a board member but a volunteer with them and they went out and found the grants and found the you know a lot of our local people actually in kind contributed to having the trail done so and we're we're now trying to figure out what our next project should be. So we're you know trying to we're we're wrapping that up and we'll we'll move on to our next project. We haven't quite decided what that is, but it's an incredible group of people who are really committed to Belton, and um, just the, the, the town is so much better having them here. is is been it's great.
0: Let's talk about that a minute. A lot of people are, have not either not been to Belton a long time. We got a lot of newcomers who've never been to Belton. Mm-hmm. Tell me what makes Belton a special place.
10: Well, stuff like that, and you know, you, you they just take it upon themselves to, you know, just like our downtown, um, we have a group of ladies and gentlemen that came to us and said, hey, we want to be responsible for keeping downtown clean and planted and picking weeds, and they took off. We, we, we ask them what they need from us, and they get the materials from us, and they go out there and pick weeds at least once a week, and... You know, everybody—it's it, like everybody takes ownership of the town, and they—they they pitch in when they can. You'll see people picking up trash. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a community that's very involved. And you have
0: a pretty significant museum here.
10: Mm-hmm. Our nonprofits are unbelievable for a small town. Our 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 museum is really um, top-notch. Our art center, Bema, our our um, it's our food pantry. That, that all the churches pitch in and run together, and of course the alliance is a nonprofit. So that that's four pretty strong nonprofits for a small town, and there, um, and our museum and our art center. Do things uh, they draw from all over the state. You know, people coming to see their exhibits and, and shows and whatnot. So they're they're we're we're so lucky to have them.
0: And you have the state museum uh, for tennis,
10: tennis hall of fame. Yes, right, sir. Here, in,
0: right mm-hmm. here in Belton mm-hmm. and hopefully the state natural history museum is going to be located here yeah
10: the museum's trying to find a site for that um
0: there'll be two state museums in Belton who would have
10: mm-hmm. guessed I know I know it's, it's a great place to be
0: and another good uh, news story coming out of Belton is the uh, reorganization of Oasis of Hope which is a group hoping to provide and more encouragement and support for foster parents who already on the ground as well as to help recruit new foster parents in the area for which they say there's a great need and i talked to two of their leaders recently about this mission and here's what they had to say
7: i'm Allie Bragdon. i'm the chief executive officer and founder of oasis of hope we're a new child placement agency in anderson south carolina serving the entire upstate our main job is to recruit train license and support foster families throughout the state of south carolina And what we really wanna do is help solve a crisis. South Carolina needs over a 1,000 foster families right now. We've got foster children in offices, in group homes. We need them in homes. We need you desperately. We need you as a foster parent, if you're able, and if you're not, we get that. Whatever gift that you have, wherever God has put you, we've got a way for you to be able to serve and help fix this crisis. Give us a call, sign up online, and we'll be glad to help put you to work to solve this crisis. Uh, five five
0: nine eight one nine two.
10: okay. I'm Rhonda Sims, I'm the Executive Director of Oasis of Hope, and Allie and I have been involved in foster care for many years. I was involved in foster care from the DSS side um, for five years as the service coordinator with um, medically complex children, and then later serving as the supervisor over the medically complex program for another foster care placement agency and we're very very excited to have our own agency. Our goal is to support our foster parents um, along every step of the way so that they can support the children in their homes and we'll be very excited to talk with you if you're interested in serving our children in these foster homes and just contact us today and we would love to talk to you and answer any questions that you have.
0: And, of course, we always encourage and are happy to see somebody doing something to try to make the place uh, better for those of us around, our community neighbors and friends. And we really applaud the effort they're putting forth down there and the things they're doing. And finally, the week ahead is National Law Enforcement Communication Officers Week. And County Council honored our 9-11 dispatchers for their service and their part as a, a key element of community safety on Tuesday night. Emergency Manager Director David Baker with the Sheriff's Department said that their work is crucial.
11: Our dispatchers are trained in, in CPR, first aid, uh, life-saving measures that are crucial to the phone calls that they receive. 911 call comes in. They don't know what's on the other end of that phone. Um, you know, they're hearing information. Typically, the individual that's calling is hysterical. The first thing they they have to do is calm them down. Uh, the second thing is to determine what's going on and then to try to provide them enough information to perform something to help that particular patient if it's, an, if it's a medical type call. Um, you know Our dispatchers have delivered babies over the telephone. They have uh, helped, it, helped the individual calling administer first aid, which have saved lives because of, because of uh, profuse bleeding. Um, so they want individuals that didn't know CPR through the CPR process and put air back in, in, into an individual that lost air. Um, so, they, they save lives every day. So, it's very important that with these individuals, you know, with it being the National Telecommunication Week, and as Major Vaughn had mentioned, the push nationally to try and recognize our dispatchers as first responders. Um, you know, I am so proud of our county being one of the first, actually, the first in the state of South Carolina to take that initiative. And, and I sincerely challenge all other counties in the state to do the same, and, and our state to push from the state level um, to, to, you know, to get that at the national level, so that these men and women that work hard every day, and as I mentioned to the council and to the, to the citizens who were here tonight, you know, these men and women are behind the phone, they're not seen every day. It, it's our job to take care of them make sure that they're not invisible, that, that their needs are met, and that we recognize them for not just, not who they are, but what they do. And, and what they do every day is they save lives. And, and they are a, a, a crucial lifeline, not only to the citizens calling in but also to our first responders that are talking to them on the radio. Uh,
0: Anderson County Sheriff's Department Major Bill Vaughn uh, also had this to say about the importance of the positions and the need for more people who are considering law enforcement to look at uh, starting their career with dispatch.
12: Well next week is telecommunicators week. week. Uh, This is an honor for our dispatch to receive this as namely uh, being a first responder because there's a national push to get uh, dispatchers as a first responder and uh, I think we're going to be the first one in the state of South Carolina with the help of a council to actually accomplish this
0: and tell me what how our 911 dispatch group has grown and, and become uh, more highly honored over the years and why y'all respect what they do so much
12: well the funny thing to that question is we have not grown however our responsibilities have they have on average they Take and answer over 30,000 calls a month, averaging from 1,000 to a day to 1,200 a day, just calls coming into to our dispatch center.
0: And they were bragging on them in there. What do you have to say about the kind of work they do here?
12: Well, we've had we've got great leaders out there. We're pouring into pouring into our people. We're trying to do better at recruiting to get those individuals in dispatch that want that first step into law enforcement or public safety, fire, EMS, at a younger age. We, with the help of counsel and the Sheriff McBride, we've been doing better at getting individuals in there. So I'm hopefully going to be using this as a recruitment video. Come to 911. We could use your assistance. We need to fill all the slots that we have for 911. We have, just today, we've hired five brand new dispatchers. Um, The training process is roughly 6 months to get that person certified to answer all the radios and all the calls because those radios not only are from law enforcement, it's from small towns, animal control, EMS, fire, so there's a lot of information that they have to take in in order to be completely certified to handle every radio in that room. And if somebody hears this and thinks, you know, that might be a career I'm interested in, what do they need to do? They need to go to Anderson, uh, the Anderson County Sheriff's Office website, download the application, then submit it, and through our hiring and recruiting board. It's
0: a critical job. Can you imagine uh, between 1,000 and 1,200 calls a day coming through that center? And if you have an emergency or have ever had to call them in, during an emergency, you know how important that is. So we thank them for their work and hope uh, anyone considering that as a career would get in touch with them. Well, that's about it for this week's Anderson Observer News for People You Trust podcast. Join me next week for more interviews, updates, and news. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson County a better place.